Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of wine, from vine to glass, and the people and stories behind the most exciting drinking town with a farming problem, Paso Robles Wine Country. And yeah, I think I owe Patrick 10 bucks for using his line. You'll learn about that later. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Today, we're headed to Tin City, baby, a unique and vibrant wine-making, shoot, spirit-making, beer-making, cider-making, Italian food, noodle-making, you get the idea. District in Paso Robles that is just blowing up. I think we're celebrating our 10th year, 10th anniversary of Tin City. And it has become a must-visit destination for not just wine lovers, like I said, but beer lovers, cider lovers, spirit lovers, olive oil lovers, ice cream lovers, and more from all over the world. This quirky and eclectic industrial complex is home to over 20 boutique producers, and it even earned Paso its first Michelin star restaurant. Woo-woo, Sixth Test Kitchen. Joining us today, some of Tin City's most notable personalities. We got Patrick Brooks and Don Burns from Tin City Distillery, makers of award-winning spirits that blend traditional and innovative techniques. We also have Jeff Strakas, the Director of Operations and Wine Growing from Onyx Wines, a winery that's been making waves in the industry with its bold and dynamic blends. They also have great events, a great team. Love the folks at Onyx, spelled, if you're keeping score at home, O-N-X. Now, during our conversation, we'll be delving into the history and the culture of Tin City, discussing the unique challenges and opportunities that winemaking, distilling in this dynamic region brings up, even tasting some incredible wines and spirits that our guests have brought. Also, later in our Travel Paso Spotlight, we're going to be highlighting two tourism companies that can help you explore everything that Paso has to offer, and in both really unique ways. Toast Tours and Vine Cycle Tours offer fun and informative wine tours, allowing you to experience the beauty and flavors of Paso with the same passion that the producers have that they are introducing you to. Also later, we have our first contest, a really cool way for you to win a two-night stay at the Allegretto Vineyard Resort. Also some added bonuses, meals, tasting, all kinds of stuff. If you have not seen the Allegretto yet, Google it. It's unreal. It's like time travel, Scotty, beam me to Tuscany, and you're there. It's like that. It just is. It's family-owned and operated. They have really something special there at the Allegretto, and later I'll tell you how you can win your way in at a two-night stay from your friends here at Where Wine Takes You. So I show up to Tin City Distillery. It's raining. Again, I got Georgie. He hates the rain, but he likes Penny, who's Patrick's dog. So grab a glass of your favorite Paso wine, maybe a sip of some orange drink from Wine Shine, and join us as we explore where wine takes you. Today, it's Tin City Paso Robles. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is done. Get out in the trees, it will simplify good company. sure there's a faucet in back that just pours whiskey. <laughs> yeah, that, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> no, the still's name is Wendy Peppercorn. That's pretty Did special. you know that? I don't Do- think, I don't think I approved that. <laughs> Dr. Uh, James Westfall I and Kenneth Cheers. Cheers. So much Cheers. Tin City in the house. Tin Look City, baby. And this is going to be fun because, I mean, there's so much that, you know, if you don't already know, like Tin City has going on for it because it's, it's beyond beer, wine, spirits. I mean, shoot. I mean, there's two 
of the people that we have here. We got well, we got threes, and we got wine, spirits, wine, all kinds of stuff. Are here. we going to do yeah. shots Beer. of pasta sauce from next? Yeah, time? right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it gets really crazy, I'm sure that's probably happened. Knowing uh, Patrick, oh, it's gone down. Tin City for here. sure. Jeff Strakus, Opolo, Don Burns from. We've talked to him on Twitter. Good to see you, my man. Wait, you're from you Opolo. I'm in an Opolo. Oh, did I say Opolo? Oh my gosh. Opolo. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Strakus. No, I'm thinking of Jeff Faber from Opolo. Yeah. What an idiot. I'm going to leave yeah. that in. I'm not sure. I could edit that out, but no, I'm going to. I'm going to. Not that there's one. anything wrong with being from Opolo. No, Just no. Me off guard. But no, no but I, I'm going to. I'm going to leave that Good one in and, and own that one. Uh, Jeff Strakus <laughs> is from uh, Midnight Sellers, and I'm just going <laughs> to. They call me Richie. Yeah, that's my nickname. No, that's kidding. <laughs> Onyx in the house. Uh, of course, we're talking Tin City. So Tin City, baby. Tin City Distillery, Patrick. Thanks to you and Don for hosting us here. Yeah, you bet. Welcome, welcome to the Hooch Factory, baby. Oh, do you still have the hours that say something like uh, open? What does it say? It says by appointment or luck. Oh yeah, <laughs> but everybody gets lucky at Tin City Distillery. How often are you guys open here? We're if we're here, we're open yeah. for sure. So we do have our our standard hours at the distillery, but a lot of times we're just here in the back. We're working hard, making whiskey, making brandy, whatever it and is. If somebody and wants to taste great, if somebody wants to taste great, we, we we love to have the crew come as often as we can. So but Jeff, what about you and Onyx? Uh, we're open seven days a week from ten to five. Let's talk about this rain because for so long we would like we'd feel almost embarrassed to utter the words. I, I'm, I'm over it. I'm done with it because we were in a drought. Well, we're not categorized in a drought anymore. So are we all over the rain? I kind of want to go around. Donnie, are you over the rain or do you still want I'm to over the rain. Over the uh, rain. <laughs> only, I mean, it's been fantastic. It's much appreciated. But at this point, it's not doing us any good anymore. It's all just dissipating, going away anyway. So uh, I, I wouldn't mind some sunshine at this point. Patrick, I want more rain. I love it. I can't get enough of this jazz, dude. This is amazing. <laughs> Bring it on. Make it rain, baby. Flood the road so I don't have to go to work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what do you think? You're on to me. Uh, you know, I'm in between both of those answers because unless you have somewhere to uh, trap the rain and force it to percolate back in, it's all running off uh, into other watersheds anyways. So ultimately, I think we're all ready to not get tractors stuck in the vineyard and we all want to get to work. Yeah, it'd, be, find- it'd be nice to be able to go out and farm. Did they ever find that guy who who like drove his car into the asphalt on? I still think Adelaide. it was Kit from Hawks Hill. It looked a lot like his truck, but the, but the license plate didn't match up. It's funny because oh, with, with the concrete like hardened yeah. up. It was definitely looked like a white vineyard truck to me. Yeah, yeah, he was Paso famous for a bit. But, but no, uh, no, I've never sure. heard anyone who knows who he is unless everyone's just keeping it on the down low. I have not heard that yet. Have you, Jeff Strikus? I heard some people uh, theorizing a couple board meetings ago, but uh, okay. there's no uh, publicly named names, so I don't know if we're avoiding they black names. I mean, he named mean, names. Something <laughs> so embarrassing, like he just let, because if we're kind of like catching up on the story, road close sign, yeah. some guy goes through it, gets his car stuck, gets so embarrassed, ditches the car, but it just had gotten like re, you know, concrete asphalt. just concrete. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So not only does the guy leave his car there, but because he just abandons it, he was probably hammered. the car's stuck. Right, the car was stuck the next day. By the time, yeah, they had to chisel it out. Unbelievable. He, he left his license plates on though. He should He's probably just like, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. I'm just going to leave the car here. What a trip. Oh yeah. The rain, man. So many different like things from the rain. How are how are is everything you know with you at Turtle Rock and everything? Uh, all the vineyards in good shape. You know, haven't seen a lot of damage. Lost some beautiful trees. That's about the only thing that I've seen. But that's great because I could use the firewood. So. Now, what about Jeff? Onyx, how has it been to your vineyards up there? I mean, pretty much the same. There's no plant damage or anything like that. A couple trees down. Mainly, it's an exercise in uh, fence repair. 
Tent City is such a unique kind of place here. Patrick, talk about how you know, there, there's really so much going on. And now we've got like people doing like walking tours through here. It's kind of a come here, park, stay for a, a billion hours and it really get, is, yeah. get a lot done. And I would even say uh, take a ride share here first because uh, there's there's a lot to check out. So you know, designate somebody for sure. But yeah, you can park and you can try it all. So we've got anything from you know uh, wine, so many great wineries here. Some of the, the finest wineries in the state are right here in Tin City. And then um, you know Barrel House, of course, they're a great hub for us. And then our distillery. So you get to try anything from you know whiskey, brandy, you know all, all sorts of uh, cider. Uh, fun cider. We got cider. We got yeah. Paso Robles' only Michelin star restaurant right here in Tin City. Six Test Kitchen. Well, right? Justin just got it, too. Uh, one of two Michelin star restaurants yeah, yeah. <laughs> in, in, in Paso Robles is right here. <laughs> and then, you know, there, there's just anything from uh, from wine to beer and everything in between. Yeah. So, but, you know, when my uh, mom was uh, in town visiting from Connecticut, you know where I brought her? Wine shine. Yeah, baby. (laughs) And I just wanted to get her drunk so she'd fall asleep. No, (laughs) No, it it was an educational tasting experience, and you know it. We have lots of educational tasting experiences here. You know what's crazy about this? We do need places for people to sleep. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) We need somebody's got to build a hotel in this short. Do Do you not remember the uh, Hank Scorpio episode of uh, Simpsons with the Hammock District? We need a Hammock District, a Hammock Park. So, (laughs) Wine Shine Onyx. We're now Tin City Distillery. Yeah, we're we're both. We're Wine Shine is the brandy products. Tin City Distillery is the whiskey. But you guys have been here since really, you know, like OG, right? Um, I can't claim uh, first thing because I know that was like what Barrel House, the original cellar made spot that's now Levo. Yeah. Um, 2015 is when uh, we moved in and opened up. I don't know, you guys. We, we were actually 2015 is when we got our license to distill. Yeah, this was a dirt lot when we yeah when we signed was, the lease. Wow. It was February 2015 we got the license, but the the lease was 2013, 14. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Was the owner Don Mike English? Was he like pitching this as this is what I think this could be, or did it just almost become it? I, it kind of just became it. You know, I heard about it from uh, Brian Benson at the time, who heard it from Scout Holly. You know, and it was kind of a, a natural transition for where I was in, in my career in the wine world at the time. It was perfect, you know, to come up with capital to build your own building. You know, have your own production facility is just insanely capital intensive. Um, so this is kind of like a great stepping stone for me. It's actually become home. So we're actually building out a facility now for production here in Tin City, and we're we're going to stick around. Did you think when you were kind of getting in on this and you were starting this here with Nottingham because you're with the winery and you got the distillery here? Yeah. Did you kind of see this becoming what it's turned into? I mean, I had I had a vision of it for sure, but uh, I don't think any of us could have predicted quite how busy it's gotten, how popular it's become, and and how much fun it is. When you guys are like all talking with each other and you guys all like hang out and like. Like commiserate. What is it you guys say this place needs? I mean, it already has so much. I mean, you got ice cream down the street. You got olive oil. Like you said, beer, cider, wine, all the drinks. We, we covered that. It's a nap district. <laughs> what is it? Nap, the nap Coffee district. Coffee and yeah. a bakery. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Yeah, those would be great things. Great additions here for sure. Coffee. So. That's a good one. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, now we've got full cocktails here at the distillery, right? Which is great because uh, some people don't want beer, wine, but there's a, there's something for everybody. I mean, a right sports now, yeah. book. <laughs> is there room for a coffee place? Where do you think it fits? Because you don't need a lot of room. You know, it's not a big footprint, is it? And if you want to, I mean, I guess you probably want to roast it here. And do the yeah, I think thing there's here. some things in the works. Oh, that's uh, kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, it'll, oh, so it'll be available, I, I think, in the next When I asked that, you already so. knew what was going on. Are you creating a coffee shop? No, I'm not. Somebody else. I'm not. Maybe. We wouldn't know the first thing about making coffee. <laughs> we might roast it, but I don't think we'll make it. You guys are going to be... Oh, see, now we're just... It's, we'd love to make that happen. Well, you're really good with the flavor profiles, Don. Is this like... Do you have a certain kind of aim that you'd want to go for? And like, You know, I, if, if we do it, we would, uh, we would make sure we 
partnered with someone who has a ton of experience in that area because I would be foolish to think that the amount yeah. of experience they have and the amount of talent they have. I, I, I love good coffee, but I'm not I'm not around it enough or involved in it enough to be able to make those kinds of decisions. On would the you be the flavor the dude? You'd be the flavor dude. I'd be the guy drinking it for sure, but yeah. I don't know if I'd be uh, I don't know if I'd be making roasting decisions or uh, someone's got to do the R and D, baby. That's, yeah, yeah. You'd yeah. Be like a tweak from South Park. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm you trying to a lot of cartoons, don't you? I know, right? <laughs> I, I did at one point. If I was manifesting anything, though, uh, Paso Robles has not had somewhere you could get like decent bagels in years. Oh, bagel uh, shop would be amazing. Yeah, That'd I don't cool. think anywhere in Slow County you could claim like real. I agree with special, that. That's my fiance's from the East Coast, and like all she talks about is like, oh, these aren't real bagels, you know? Yeah, and if anybody flies with these ideas, we will take ten percent. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tin City has just become so much fun, and like it's it's crazy to think like what it's become now, what it's quickly becoming. And we talk about Paso taking these big strides and, and in a short amount of time, but Tin City, in and of itself, in a small way, but its own way, is taking these really big strides here. Yeah, it's a great hub, and that represents you know what the Central Coast does best right here. It, it's a it's a great spot to spend your day, and uh, you you'll leave. With a lot of bottles of booze. Well, in the beginning, of wine. we didn't really know how to classify it, Jeff. Like, we would think in the beginning, I would describe it as, like, in the very beginning, like, when 2015, 2016, like, you know, oh, maybe, like, the Lompoc ghetto meets the funk zone? I don't know. Like, something <laughs> industrial, but it's really, there's a, there's a class here, too, that's really cool. Like, it's got its own personality, its own vibe. It does that very Paso-like. Yeah, I think it's a kind of like an urban producer's enclave, yeah. but, you know, the real key to it is the Paso flavor, so plenty of other places I've worked to everyone who owns or works at a business wants to fight with their next door neighbor over something and I think uh, just the sense of community here everyone trying to support each other you know the Tin City uh, you know Christmas parade like kind of all that Fort stuff parade yeah yeah you know that's Patrick on the OSHA approved baby yeah <laughs> so fun everyone decks out their forklifts yeah the, yeah we deck, the town we deck out the forklifts like OSHA ish approved I think there and, was a uh, boat last year there, there was, was a boat there last was a year. boat yeah that sounds pretty OSHA the, one, one year Don had uh what did you, what did you drive around in the Unimog <laughs> this thing was ridiculous what was that? <laughs> uh, it's like an old Mercedes truck that uh, my good buddy Justin Smith had bought from Japan, and it's uh, yeah, the tires are about I think four feet tall. They're ridiculous. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah, no, yeah it's so massive. <laughs> the, this forklift parade has really become something. I mean, the the cr- the crowd that comes to this uh, every December is, is is massive. But the very first year, we didn't really know what we were getting ourselves into. So Don and I were on the. Um, Don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> we're dishing out. Uh, well, I'm gonna say it. he can cut it out. Whatever. We're, we're, uh, we were dishing out. Uh, yes. And, yeah, we never. We can't do it. You know. No. Is that no, like yeah. cooking on an engine block? Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about the the different spirits. We got a lot of spirits going on, but we got some wines here from Onyx. I want to get the story behind Onyx, Jeff. And why don't you introduce us to some of the wines that you brought? In a nutshell, uh, Onyx is the uh, passion project of Steve and Brenda Olson, uh, spending a lot of time traveling to the Central Coast and then kind of going in what I call the opposite style of where a lot of people went, where, you know, they always say what you want to do is buy what the worst home in a nice neighborhood, um, you know, at a time when everyone was kind of seeking out south facing high elevation hillsides and early ripening. They selected a spot that was uh, one of the 
cooler spots in the area and really uh, sought out, you know, a spot that could grow a big diversity of different grapes. So when I moved down here from Napa, you know, I joked I was transitioning from somewhere where I had to talk about 19 different blocks of Cabernet as if they were each a different variety to somewhere where I grew 19 different varieties. And now at this point, I think we're up to 21 and, you know, we'll see where time takes us. Uh, We're talking about a couple more as well, but that's why so many of our wines actually are blends. And I say that while, you know, wanting to slam my uh, face into the uh, bar here because I, of course, three of the four wines I brought are actually varietal wines. (laughs) Oh, we swear we have a lot of blends. I got excited to show off some unusual things. Yeah, I'm excited. We have the white and also the rosé. The rosé, I mean, it really blew up. The indie rosé was one of the the first times I was exposed to you years ago. And that story has kind of become cool because you've actually made that more available to people. And now we have another rosé that we're going to drink, which has kind of like some homage to the indie. Yeah. So back when I started in 2012, we decided we wanted to make a rosé because we wanted to drink a rosé. And, you know, same as these guys here, it's uh, always easiest to just drink what you're making in-house anyways. Um, So we made a tiny batch, you know, it was three barrels, 75 cases, uh, sold out of it super quickly. And um, ever since that initial burst through, I joked that every year we doubled production and then sold out twice as fast. So uh, what we're doing right here... um, Sure, I'll try some too, Jeff. This is a wine (laughs) called uh, Tracing Paper. So the idea is we're kind of reaching back to that original rosé. And actually, uh, while the uh, Indie Rosé had, uh, you know, gotten up to 1,500 plus cases per year because we put it into uh, wholesale and some other places... You know, we just wanted to do something small that used the original blocks of fruit that we first made indie from. So that's what tracing paper is. And the name, obviously, an homage to uh, trying to go back and recreate history a little bit. But this is just the uh, essentially the first rosé we ever made, and we're recreating it now 11 years later. It's a smart way, I think, to attack it. Like We were talking about this off the air, like to say, hey, here's the, the rosé you already know, the indie. We're going to make it available to more people. That word has kind of already been disseminated. Then for those who are like super tight in with Onyx, you have this, hey, remember indie back in the day? Here's, where, here's like that OG way it came from. And, and selling the, the tracing paper story is, you know, it's easy then. Yeah, it kind of flows through in and of itself. You know, we have our club members who remember the original, people who are going to be excited to try it again. And this is one that, you know, for us, it's only 200 cases. So it's DTC, like it's only going to be out of the tasting room and the club members. So it won't be in any... Uh, shops or restaurants around here, but we're just stoked to have it back again. Don, from someone who makes a badass rosé yourself, what do you like about this one? It's great. Crisp, nice fruit, dry. It's every, everything you want. This is so uh, approachable. But it's delicious, yeah. yeah. So what do you guys do this for at Onyx? This, it hasn't actually been released yet. It's going to be another month and a half till it comes out, but out of the tasting room, it's going to be uh, 40. It's a great bottle of wine. What are some of the other wines that you brought today? Uh, so that white we started with, uh, Lautre Femme, uh, that's uh, my failure in the uh, reason that it's the only blend I brought today. But that's a uh, <laughs> blend of Picpoul Blanc and Viognier off of uh, Onyx Estate over in the Templeton Gap there. Picpoul's fun. It is. Uh, I mean, it is zippy. <laughs> It uh, has no shortage of acid. It's a fun one to grow for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, it it takes oak as much as you want to put at it. And it also makes a great uh, stainless steel uh, fermenter as well. You've been with the brand for a while, Mm -hmm. long time. And you're also working the market in addition to managing the wines. When someone has that ability to do that, you're really like the face of the brand out there. 
Oh, it's been kind of a trip. I mean, uh, being with the company uh, for, you know, 12 years now, uh, it's something that, you know, you, you grow up thinking you're walking into a job and then you stay with it long enough that you really know every facet of the business. You watch it grow from... 500 cases to, you know, doing 7,000 or so cases a year, plus the custom crush business, plus the rental business, you know, all the different uh, facets we have going on that, uh, you know, it's great. I I enjoy, I think, emotionally any instance in which I can feel like an old man. So uh, (laughs) being around uh, lots of kids, having been with the company for a decent amount of time uh, fits my personality well. Do you like traveling? Absolutely. Yeah. Fun. What, what, when you're like out of the different markets, like what, what is kind of like their interpretation of, of Paso? How is that story being told right now? I mean, I don't know how you guys experience it, but I find, um, you know, in Paso, everyone's about kind of individual Roan varieties. And then I go outside the market to other states and people want a Roan blend, but they can't sell varietal Syrah to save their lives. Right. They, so it's uh, interesting to me just watching how different markets react to different styles, what sells, what doesn't. And, you know, you always ultimately, because, you know, none of us in this room are uh, large enough to be like, yeah, we're selling to all 50 states. So you have to really say, do I want to develop my product and educate this market about it? Or am I matching myself to markets that already appreciate sort of what we're all about? That's such a good point. Don, do you feel like those blends and some of those things that we do are almost sometimes easier to sell than like, you know, like you said, getting the consumer's head wrapped around a varietal that we've been trying for a long time, like Syrah? Yeah, I think Syrah is kind of like the, the perfect example of that. I mean, there's a lot of places where Syrah is not the most popular varietal um, for, for terrible reasons, but you know it isn't. It is hard to retrain a market or or change a market. So, you know, I've I've known people who have just taken the Syrah, same exact wine, just taken Syrah off and called it a red blend. Yeah, and, really. And people love it. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, it has a bad name, um, and it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It's fantastic. Is that because we can't well sell here. Syrah, or we've just done so good at selling blends for so long? I mean, you look at like I mean, we've been doing blends. For, it's know. probably a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, but I do think more importantly. In general, Paso Robles has such a larger awareness now than it used to. You know, yeah. you have people talking about Paso Robles in a way that they never talked. It's now an internationally renowned wine region. It's one of the fastest growing wine regions in the world now. People are excited to taste stuff from Paso. You know, I think when I started, you'd go to a new market, you'd have some wines from Paso Robles, and they'd be like, oh, it's not from Napa. Oh, it's you're yeah. from California, oh, you're from Napa, oh, you're in Napa. You know, and, and Paso Robles has really made a name for itself, and been able to put itself on the on the map as far as a highly rated uh, and highly acclaimed wine region and I think that's that's really the important thing is the quality is there the quality of farming and the quality of winemaking yeah Jeff let me ask you a question because you're in an interesting situation where you have like your estate fruit but you're also the tasting room is here why not do a tasting room at your estate I mean the uh, simplest reason for that is it wasn't going to be uh, legally feasible oh, right. to uh, build and set up a tasting room that'll there. get you every time I mean uh, <laughs> you know even outside of city limits if you can get permission to build a property it has to be 75% production, 25% uh, tasting room as a max. So it creates some interesting splits. We are um, in the process of looking through. We have our permit to build a second winery at our um, other vineyard, Kyler Canyon Estate. But even in doing that in the future, we're definitely not abandoning uh, Tin City, uh, same as Don. I mean, we really are committed to growing here, love the access it offers everyone, and just uh, this incredible community. You want to be in our little drinking town with a farming problem right here. <laughs> Good old Tin City, baby. Are there know. more 
distilleries here? I don't think there are. Not in no, the, in Sin City, it's, it's, there's uh, you know a handful near us uh, for sure, just down the street, which is great. We love that there are numerous distilleries in a, a stone's throw away from us. You know, everybody in Pastor Robles, all, all the distilleries around do something a little different. No, you know? sure. So, so it's great. We, we get a lot of clientele that come in, and they're not drinking wine or beer or anything else that day. They're just on a distillery. Tour. That's what's cool. I mean, yeah. Pastor Robles Distillery yeah. Trail yeah. is doing a great job. They're doing a great job. We, yeah, the Pastor Distillery Trail is great. And, and we do a, a every year an incentive where everybody can go out and, and get like a, a nice little discount and, and try spirits yeah. everywhere so they can be uh, acquainted with it. But Intensity itself, it's uh, just our distillery, just Intensity uh, Distillery. Okay, so we started out as Wine Shine and we were doing brandy. Sure. And Dawn, we were giving grapes from some great places and turning them into a brandy. Now, were a lot of people into brandy then? Did it take time to like talk about trying to sell something? A lot of people associated <laughs> yeah. with like E&J or maybe what their grandma drank. Well, in America, you drink that jazz. Yeah, so it's better in other places? Yeah, I don't know. I think brandy, uh, it's, it's a really quickly growing market. Um, it's increased a lot since we've started, but if you really look at the numbers compared to things like whiskey and vodka, it's still such a small percentage of, of what's consumed. Um, internationally, I believe it's still the largest spirit brandy. consumed in the world. Yeah. In America, I mean, Scotland, and Ireland, we drink whiskey, right? But the rest of the world, the rest of the world drinks brandy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it also kind of jacked that like everyone talks about cognac and doesn't like admit that that's brandy? That's brandy. From a yeah. Yeah. We, we, we know that all like, cognac is brandy, but not all brandy is cognac because right? it's the region from there. But it's we, the region. But it's we champagne. pretty quickly pivoted and decided to and realized too there was only a finite amount of super high quality grapes or juice to turn into brandy so we knew we were getting other products and it was always in the plan uh just took us a little while to be able to i want to get into it. that because that's exciting because you guys are evolving in a lot of exciting ways Calvados? but even just the uh the flavors of the brandy yeah. i mean like go through some of the stuff behind you that you guys maybe were some of the first flavors and the og flavors that you still have stuck around yeah so uh it, brandy really is a our heart for sure and uh you know when a lot of people don't realize that brandy just means it's a spirit distilled from fruit right so grapes are the highest sugar fruit so they're the, the best one to you know make a spirit out of apples are like second to that but people come in all the time they go i'm a whiskey drinker that's all i mess with and i say okay cool what would you usually rather chew on grapes or barley and they go oh grapes of course I say, well then try this brandy it's yeah. not so bad and so um you know, we, we, we have quite a repertoire, something for everybody. So we've got uh, brandies that are just aged in oak casks. So some in French oak casks made from some high, really high-end West Side Paso, yeah, Grenache, Shraw, uh, other Rhone varietals like Total Rock, like Don's Wine. Will they be tasting yeah. like whiskey? Well, so when we age it in American oak casks, you do get a lot of those whiskey-esque characteristics for sure. So we do French oak aging, American oak aging. A lot of oak profile for sure happens here. And that, some of that goes into just pure oak products. But also we do like uh, our French oak and orange peel brandy is a big hit. It's kind it's of our favorite. version of Grand Marnier. Orange yeah. drink. Orange drink. Love yeah, orange. He, he loves orange drink, baby. Love orange drink. Um, and the cinnamon one, too. The yeah, cinnamon, the cinnamon is fire. The, the, the cinnamon brandy. Yeah, there's no artificial you know, BS in it like some of the other cinnamon products I've heard on the market. Oh, fireball. Um, <clears throat> um, but <laughs> what about the mango, ginger, black, peppercorn? That, yeah, pepper? that, that was a Don Burns original right there. Yeah. So yeah, the mango, yeah. ginger, black, peppercorn brandy. That one makes the best Moscow like, So mule tell me what you're doing. You've got this big cauldron. You're like, any mango. Mango, ginger. How about some black peppercorn like how was that going how did you come up on all those uh for that one in particular a fun one you went I to actually, pinterest and found it i don't know no i uh i had Before a chance pinterest. to uh <laughs> back when katrina hit 
way back. I don't remember what year that was, but I was working for Roos Chris Steakhouse and Absolute wanted to do a flavor and donate all the proceeds to uh, the city of New Orleans, which is where our company was based out of. So I actually got to work with Absolute on developing the flavor and they came up with a, a, a mango ginger spirit and they sold it for about two years and all the proceeds went and they never made it again. So when we opened this place, I, I remembered that spirit and I really liked it and I'd always wanted to put some black peppercorn in it for a little spice. So uh, we had the opportunity to do something on yeah. our own. So we were like, shit, let's give it a try. And we're using high-end Westside Paso road varietals. Yeah, beautiful, <laughs> beautiful juice. And uh, yeah, like real mangoes, real ginger, and then just whole black peppercorn. And we really we really didn't take us but what, one or two tries. No, we nailed it. The, the first time Burns was like, hey, let's make it. We're going to do this thing, okay? It's mango, ginger, and black peppercorn. And I was like... I don't know. It was, <laughs> I, mean, like, I, I, I think he, I need a new partner. <laughs> and you know what? It's great. It, it, it really is a, a fun one, and that's that's one of one of the, the most exciting brandies that we've we've done. You know, yeah, it's but, fun. But yeah, lots of I, others. I too, thought that sure. story was going to involve like ayahuasca or something. Like. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, there are other spirits that we've created that you know that they go down that route. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> but that you know that is the brandy. Like brandy is a really important thing because you're going to distill whatever's uh, you know locally abundant, right? And if you're in in Scotland or in, you're in Ireland, it's, it's barley for sure, right? Uh, if you're in Kentucky, it's corn. Uh, but in Pastor Robles, we have got grapes. So that is the, the main crop, and we have an opportunity here to make extremely high-end brandies. It's an obligation. It, 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 it is. If, if it we is. didn't, it's shame on us, you know? I mean, and, when yeah. we started, you know, the reason was, was we saw so much Saunier going down the drain. We that were literally off. throwing yeah. away bleed right. of these this beautifully sweet grape juice and I was like we can make something out of that and uh, so it really started as a byproduct how are you watching the market Don all of you and seeing okay I mean because I can look I mean I followed you guys so closely I'm a huge fan and then now we got the cans and we did the lemonade a couple years ago and and now there's are you distributed or do you self-represent to Uh, all your accounts no we distribute too because it's I mean to get to the legal part of it, brandy we can self-distribute, but it's a you know that's kind of a nightmare. But all the other spirits we make, vodka, gin, etc., whiskeys, those we have to uh, distribute. We yeah, can't yeah. legally go. I, sell I was going to say the only the nice thing about self-distribution, but you're right, it is an incredible amount of work. Is you get like instantaneous feedback from all of your accounts and sort of good knowledge of what gaps exist in their programs and that sort of thing. We do have a really. Which you could great, still work yeah. your markets right. I mean, yeah. kind of figure that out. You'd hope we've got a fantastic. Uh, sales representative, yeah, and he's out there, uh, you know, uh, hitting different uh, bars and, uh, and and off-premise locations, and he's got his feelers on the ground all the time. As do we, you know, we uh, we like to dine, so we're always out yeah. going to the places and we like that to drink. Have our yeah, stuff. well, that, and that's what's cool now. I mean, you guys are at the Elks Lodge where I go. I mean, there, you are the well, your vodka, the Tin City Distillery, and that's kind of cool because that whole distribution line is something a little bit different. We started with the Wine Shine brand, Tin City Distillery. I think the Lemonade was the first place to see that label. Am I right? Uh, well, the, the the vodka actually. The vodka but, came out. Vodka. So, yeah. and okay, that, that, that's the distinction to make. So when it comes to fruit based products, that's all under the Wine Shine label. Got it. And when it comes to grain based products, or if it's sugar cane based, anything like that, uh, that is under the Tin City Distillery label. And you know, a lot of people, I, I say, you're a whiskey drinker. Yeah, whiskey's distilled beer. And they go, well. 
It what? What? Yeah. What? And they, I go, I drink whiskey my whole life. It's not distilled beer, but it is. Okay. And so, like, whiskey's anything, just, you know, uh, distilled from grains, right? Brandy's anything distilled from fruit. Uh, rum's anything distilled from sugar cane. The tequila's anything distilled from the Weber Blue Agave plant in Jalisco, Mexico, in the town of Tequila. You, you know, a lot of people. They just don't think about like, oh, the base product, that raw product, that is what is determining what I'm drinking, right? Okay, so how do you decide what we want to, one, make next? We have our finger ideally on the pulse of what people are into, the trends, this and that. The ability to kind of like make literally whatever you want here. I mean, you guys... Yeah, if there's fermentable food. sugar in something, we can ferment it and then distill it. Doesn't mean but, you should. No. Right, yeah. <laughs> we, because we, we, have, we have distilled... But, uh, but it is uh, possible. What, what we, do, we did Watermelon. fennel before. Oh, and, oh God. Fennel, oh, terrible. Oh, wow. Are there some other ones that just like, no, like left we, them on we, the cutting we, room floor? I haven't smelled no, any we, uh, durian experiments. No, 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 no we're going to stay away from that. We, we, you know, Anything that smells like that, I'm not going to ferment on top of it. I mean, we, we like yeah. to look at like what has historically worked, and I'm, when I say historically, I mean sure within the past 50 years for spirit companies, but also in the past 2,000 years for production of, of spirits in general. And so, looking back at what works across the human experience is, is a great way to determine what. But we it's changing so much. I mean, no one. Knew we were going to put like wine in cans. You can't. You can find market research out there though that does show you where the markets are moving. And the nice part about the distillery business versus the wine business is you can pivot pretty quickly. Yeah. How do you decide what channel we want to go? Like, okay, now we got the vodka. I mean, if you don't have the so, the lemonade cocktail, which is so inviting, poolside. Right. Now we got the wine coolers. How do you go? Oh, this is going to be DTC just for our folks that come here. This is going to be in the market. How do you decide? I think ultimately we would really appreciate having all of our products being distributed widely because yeah. that's really what this business is about. It's not built like the wine business. So DTC is great, but to be a successful business, we really have to get out in the international or the national market for sure. Um, you know, except for like our high-end bur- brandies, our high-end bourbons and rice, those will always be limited production. You don't so make those will stay DTC yeah. for the most part. We do is, get them yeah. out there, but like the, the canned cocktails... And really what I think our biggest push is going to be right now is our, what we call RTDs, the ready-to-drinks. Um, and I do believe there's a hole in the market for high-end RTDs. There's a lot of right. really shitty, for a better word, RTDs out there. Um, they're terrible. A lot of them are made with malt liquor, not with spirit. Right. But even the spirit ones are not great. So our biggest problem right now is our price point. We're a little bit higher priced than most of those products. But I really believe if we keep making everything organically, sustainably farmed, and we make it just taste delicious, we're going to get the people that appreciate it and they'll pay more for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, And that actually is the largest growing sector of the spirit market right now is high-end RTDs. And that's, is, is this all kind of cans when you talk about RTDs or it could be in a bottle too? It could right? be in a bottle right. too, like a bottle. Manhattan in a bottle or an yeah. old-fashioned we, we made those bottle. for a long time yeah. too. Yeah. How have those been doing? The Manhattans in the bottle. They're oh, good. Yeah. We're just, we're, they're just, uh, they're super labor intensive to make. We make our own bitters, make our own vermouth. So we press to our do own that as a vermouth, I mean, as a truly scalable product, we're going to have to alter that a little bit. But we'll probably keep the original recipe for our for our members and and for you know our direct to consumer here. One. But yeah, we'll have to probably develop another one that is a little bit more scalable. So we've had the lemonade, the vodka lemonade in the can. What's the ABV on that, Patrick? Five and a half percent. Okay, so that's of pure that's, joy. That's porch powder that we can kill easily those. crushable Boom. yeah yeah and maybe even a couple of them and the I new say. ones are coming out soon yeah that we, we got, got a, new ones yeah we, we can tease what, what they're going to be we've got a, a passion fruit orange guava can coming out five and a half percent we got a blackberry bramble can coming out and we also have a vodka soda lime that has no sugar in it whatsoever it's just easily crushable too vodka a little bit soda of natural lime. sweetener yeah. these are kind of like low cal things 
Uh, no, they're all about the same as limit except but, for the vodka lime. Yeah, but even 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 then, like when you talk like locale, like I mean, there's well, still there's a, there's a trend of like some of these things, like whether they be like the Cutwaters or you know the there's definitely but a, they a taste low different. calorie. But it, that that market seems to be leveling off a little bit. Yeah, um, and I a lot think, of the big guys. I have think just like in there. with with food sure. or wine or anything else. If it doesn't taste good, right. it's, it's never going to last. Yeah. So we're just going after flavor and trying to do perfect balance and, and make it taste great. And we believe that if we make it taste great and we're responsible with the way that we source the products and the way the products are farmed, that we'll be successful. Yeah, like this lemonade, we pay these kids in the neighborhood to make the lemonade for us and their little stands. <laughs> we buy them out and just have vodka to it. Uh, their parents signed release like, Yeah, these yeah, right. for sure. So, But even then, I mean, it's still, it, it, we're looking at, uh, it, it's about a quarter of the caloric content of a Coca-Cola. Right. So it's... It's still fairly low. And it's got five and a half percent. Like you said, they're crushable. Then we decide uh, to go like getting to, into glycemic index over here. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, and this is, this is, this is, this is when you talk about spirits, kind of an interesting thing to bring up, though. Uh, look at those nutri- nutrition facts that are all over these. Oh, wait. There is none. <laughs> there is none because there's spirits in America. And so, yeah. So, uh, you know, the, these alcoholic beverages, we can't legally put nutrition facts on there. So, well, But when you talk about, like, say something like Fireball, like your cinnamon uh, brandy is remarkably significant. Less I would sugar. hope so. We, we yeah. actually would prefer if you had to list ingredients on your product. Sure. Yeah, right. That would be for great sure. for us and people understand why it costs more money. Oh, and the residual yeah, sugar huh? on uh, Fireball is ludicrously high. And, oh, and, oh, and, the and that's glycol. not even yeah. going the uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even people trying to lick the sugar crystals inside the broken glass on right. after I mean, I mean, that even goes for wine, too. You know, if you, for if, sure. If you have a wine that you're making correctly, um, it's it's got like three ingredients, right? Yeah. And a lot of the wines that are out there on the market that are very affordable, and they, they may taste great to, to people. They may have a nice mouthfeel, but it's not coming from the grapes and the fermentation. It's coming from additives, exactly. chemicals, um, but they don't have to list any of it. So, well, why is this one $20 and why is this one $90? Well, because we had to grow fruit perfectly and farm it perfectly and do it organically um, and vinify it perfectly. Um, we didn't just take crappy grapes and add a bunch of shit to it to make it palatable. I'm so yeah, glad no, you make that distinction. That's there's so no artificial bullshit in what we're drinking, for sure. Yeah. So you're not blending in a 40,000-gallon tank? <laughs> no, we're and, definitely and not. And I'd even be okay if you're doing that, but you were starting with good fruit. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, the coolers, these are new, and these are significantly more yeah. of a bad boy drink than yeah. the... <laughs> they, they are. The, the lemonades. This is a fun... Actually, I, I love the Dawn's right here, because this is the, the collab between Turtle Rock and... Ten City Distillery. Uh, so, Don, this will without a doubt be the only Turtle Rock you ever see in a can. For sure. <laughs> what? Yeah, so for sure. So this uh, is Turtle Rock it, wine in a can, and, and, and it so, will never be made again. It'll never. So, so but, but that's because uh, Don showed up, and you know, would you have extra wine? So this is a, yeah, a 2020 vintage, which uh, was very challenging here. Oh, yeah. Um, so I had some so beautiful it, fruit. That it wasn't would, good enough to put a turtle rock label on it. It had just a small, 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 almost undetectable amount of smoke tank. It was sure. so undetectable. But, I mean, you're still, <laughs> so good. I wasn't going to put it in No, I mean, you're brand. getting 100-point scores. To, you're not going to do it, right? Yeah, it was, no. it was just not fair to my consumer. Um, they put too much faith in me, and I wasn't going to do it, so I had... Seven barrels. Seven barrels. Seven barrels. Wow. Brand new wood. Oh, and it so tasted good. great, but I was worried that down the road that the smoke tank would show itself a little bit more. And I just didn't want to take the risk. You kind of, it's hard to know what that, isn't it? 
It is. It is. I mean, I, I feel like I have my head wrapped around it pretty good from a sensory uh, yeah. evaluation level. I think the, the but numbers, when it comes alive, when it like starts to show itself, that's hard to tell. Yeah, that's really Damn. hard to tell. And you can do all the tests you want, but I've tasted things that have smoke taint sensory wise that have really low numbers and i've tasted things that don't taste like all that high numbers so it's a it's a really inaccurate science so we just took all the chance out removed the barrels from our Boom. program and it's certainly not fun to talk about but look i mean if you were anywhere in california in this 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 harvest 2020 i mean this was the, there were I mean, fires baby this was the, the science, dumpster fire uh, it hasn't revealed anything that we all can use conclusively yet i mean you talk about glycosylated markers non-glycosylated markers at what point you know in the future might they show up or you talk about grapes like Syrah that literally produce their own for, you know, ethylglycol. Yeah. Like, wow. It, they just produce smoke compound. For ethylglycol, by the way, is like liquid hickory, like the exact same compound as that. So there is no knowing with absolute certainty. All we can do is. Isn't you know, farming what, fun? Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's just trying to be it's real. Science, baby. And, that's you know, so doing cool. The best we can by our customers. But it's, what a, I mean, like, it's a great example of leading that was, way, but was, also turning it into a. It was better than throwing it away for sure. Right. Yeah, no, right. You know, uh, <laughs> and I didn't great. want to sell it in bulk to someone else, too, and just have my. You know, I didn't no. want to be associated with it from a wine perspective. I totally get it. So dude. I brought it into Patrick and I dropped it off. And I was no more out of the parking lot than he used some of our some of our organic uh, mixes and things that we have for our other products. And he ran out with a with a sangria. He's like, "What do you think of this?" So I was like, "Holy shit!" Donnie's like, <laughs> Donnie's like, "Wait, I, I wasn't planning on drinking, but yeah, I'll, t- I'll so, I mean, try." I that. think we tweaked it a little bit from yeah. there. But it was, so literally, it was what? Like you got like a graduated cylinder? Like what? Are you oh, like, I'm, what I, are yeah. you doing? Well, we were unloading barrels off this trailer that Don was bringing over, and in that. Time. In the middle was, of harvest. In the middle of harvest. <laughs> I mean, dude, shit was going on. We were busy, boys. And uh, I was just like, oh, sangria. Because I looked at Don, and he goes, so I don't know what we're going to do. We could, like, distill it. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, or, like, make sangria. And we, like, locked eyes. And it's like, <laughs> yes, let's do that. So dope. Let's make sangria. So, I mean, so, yeah, so yeah. when this one's gone, it's, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> this is totally. Is that it. right? This is a flash? This is a one off. Yeah. Oh, but the thing is, when you, when you buy a four pack of this sangria, you're buying almost two bottles of wine. I know. It, it, there's so much in this. So, uh, you know, uh, right right then and there, I went on a, a trip down south. I, I, I think I was officiating a wedding down south. And the whole way back, I was on a sangria mission. I tried sangrias everywhere I possibly could. <laughs> and. I like, they were all, a lot of them were like herbaceous sangria and, for someone who doesn't know it's just wine and juice right yeah so so it's a great way to use like not uh, like a wine that might be tainted in some way normally this is like the highest quality wine anybody's ever made sangria with too and uh, I appreciate you saying that I'll, I'll go with that yeah I don't know if that's true but I, well you who's know, gonna I make got you dog come on bro like and so yeah so uh, uh, and then you would add maybe some sugar some brandy is always in the traditional recipe and other fruits maybe herbs and yeah. so a lot of them are are pretty herby, and we wanted to make something that's a crushable summertime sangria. I call it, I call it the cosmopolitan of sangrias. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's yeah. really kind of what what it is. So, and to um, kind of stay in line with our with our other canned cocktails, which are refreshing and and fruit driven and pretty. You know, we yeah. didn't want yeah. to make like a super serious. It's supposed to be fun and by the pool and on the boat and on the golf yeah. course and. Something you can just really enjoy. Oh, it's yeah. so good. It stands on its own so well. Yeah, yeah sangria is so fun. So, and then, and, it, but it's, I mean, it's no joke. Like, I mean, that's, you taste it like, oh, dude, like, we're, we're getting it on. Right. We're and, turning it up. And right. it, it's the same thing with all of our canned uh, cocktails, all of our, our cans in general. We could just throw anything in there like other brands do. 
Now, there's a lot of good stuff out there too. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of it is based off price point. They're like, we got to get this to the market for cheap, cheap, cheap. We got to get it to Jeb Dunnick because we're gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we need to get yeah. some scores. Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? Like, so, are, are you right. telling me this wasn't made in a kiddie pool that you all like jumped in and threw a bunch of fruit? Well, what? No, no, no. <laughs> Reason it won't ever be done again is not a good business model for the winery. I can promise you that. Right? No, sure. What we might make off the cans won't even touch what it costs me to make that wine. And the thing about the cans is they are great. The price point is, even though these are higher end. Uh, what are we doing them for? Uh, these particular ones are 30 bucks for a four pack. Yeah. Like I said, I it, think that's fine. Just two bottles of wine. No, because you're, drinking, you're you know? right. Yeah. This is a, so each can is like. Yeah, two and the alcohol percentage is yeah. the same as a bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah exactly. These, are, these are 14% alcohol. I mean, they're, they're, they're hot. How do you figure out how to make it here? You taste it, you like it, but then, okay, now we got to figure out how to make it on a bigger scale, oh, and it this, still tastes like this that. This is Donnie and Patrick on uh, a bar top right here. Yep. And we just go we back and sure forth. Make sure there's an available Uber. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, uh, and, uh, we do taste testing, you know, and, and actually. There's probably 50 renditions of this. For, for sure. Oh, really? And, and, no, we, we, we want to nail it because the thing is, every time you uh, put in a big bright tank and you do the canning run, it is not cheap. So when we do that, this is not half-assed. We want to make sure we do it right. And uh, we actually had a list of different products that we knew. We were like, these are the ones we're going to nail. Our, our kind of ancillary ones that we'll like touch base on later are Blackberry Bramble. We thought that was cool. I mean, but can you work out a deal with uh, Cal Poly for all those uh, orchards that they kind of just let the fruit drop off of and rot every oh, year. Oh, yeah. Huh? They have like an acre of cherimoya trees out there. You could be doing something and sick that's, with. That, that's all fun and cool and kind of how we started the company. Yeah. And then I decided I didn't want to go bankrupt and I was going to have to make something that was scalable. Like gin. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's uh, like those would be great projects for like a DTC or like a club member. But if you're making something for the mass market, it really has to be repeatable. And even with fresh fruit, as you know, it's going to be different every year, every, every fruit's going to be So to get a consistent recipe and know that the consumer is going to have the same product every time, we really have to go to either extracts or purees. And there are some fantastic Organic, products. real deal yeah, stuff. Organic, yeah, like, grown well. Like, yeah. No bullshit. Quality in over quantity. But, yeah, you know what my soulless really what engineering have. term for that is uh, consistent end user experience. It's true, though. You know, yeah, I mean, in this, in this business, that's, you know, wine, I embrace the differences in vintages. I embrace Look the differences in go. vineyards. For this business, we really need consistency. So, so we, but we do still mess with some little projects, right? Oh, yeah. So, like, in this, behind us, we have a, about a 20-gallon terracotta pot that our, our friend... Uh, Manu. Emanuele eh, Fiorentini... Uh, gave us his his wife's the winemaker at Epic. She's and my winemaker crush. She is, and, and my neighbor, and, and your neighbor. That's and, right. And Manu is a wonderful human being, first and foremost, Love but Manu. also a just wealth of knowledge when it comes. to Okay, he'll give vessels. you a deal on the next one. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, you hear that, Manu? So, um, one thing that we do, like at a small batch, this is our version of Campari right here. And so, instead of using like red dye number forty, like uh, like some of the other. You know, larger like uh, Campari, like Campari uses. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. This is a uh, product that we do in a terracotta pot, super small, just for our club members. Uh, herbs and botanicals, bitter oranges, uh, cochineal beetles that to, for color. They're in lipstick. So if you're like beetles, gross. They're in your lipstick. Yeah. So uh, uh, a little aside, right? Not here, in my so lipstick. We didn't finish this until I got back from Italy with Manu, and we went to the Campari and Aperol bars now, right by the Duomo. Now I see why you're kissing his ass on the air because he took you to Italy. I fucking yeah. love. <laughs> <laughs> nope. 
the cool small batches of that are are really interesting. We love doing these little one-offs. Is right? this kind of for DTC stuff? Are these for the people? No, that no, come no, here? no, no, no. This is a in that's o- for him to consume and back. Like, no. <laughs> so really, like like Don said, all the idea, whatever we're making here, the idea is to let's get it out because if we can make enough of it, let's get it out to bars. I mean, or, it's really the only way to be successful in this business. Sure, sure. Okay, got so, it. So so like every bar, so every bar has vodka. Okay, now vodka is. By all definitions, the single least romantic spirit. Odorless, right? colorless. But because the blank slate for something else is tabula rasa, like Jeff would say. And uh, so, you know, we have that, that for... doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> he, he made so, an attempt to sound fancy and shit. <laughs> so we, we have, you know, products like vodka that are very well distributed. I mean, uh, bars say vodka pays the bills because it's... A lot of people drink it. A lot of people drink it. Vodka is maybe may up to and within 50% of all the cocktails created so it's interesting because you could do a vodka like there's a lot of local vodkas at the nice bars now but like i want to be the well vodka no we want to be the best well no you are i mean because i mean i've I've been to some bars that have you as the well like you are tito's in a well and most people don't know that like your stuff is i think it tastes better than tito's bro we're the tito's of california baby yeah no i mean i've been to that factory the scale tito's is working at is pretty big i think they're the largest producer in the world yeah people drink vodka for sure so and then like things like vodka gin that's in our glass is right here. Actually, oh, here. Yeah, may, may you never get sued let's, let's, to the extent continue. that Tito's does. Yeah. Well, oh, to, cheers to that, Jeff. <laughs> when you lie about how you make it, it happens. Uh, something like gin. This has to be scalable. We are going to be shit-faced. <laughs> <laughs> are you willing to talk botanicals here? Yeah. As someone go. who used to home distill gin, I always find this conversation interesting because for me, I had always just assumed as a consumer that juniper berry is like the ingredient that matters. Juniper berry is my least in favorite, yeah. ingre- at least in favorite I ingredient. I don't know about the For me, it, but, was, it has uh, to play a role, right? It has, it has to play a role. Right. To make a gin, Legally, it has to play a role. Yeah. In there, but dude. for me, coriander seed. So coriander is is a huge deal. It's a backbone. You have to have it in your gin, right? Well, let's not forget the white cardamom pot. Oh, we got to have those, baby. So, so are, are you like a grains of paradise guy? Like, no, you know, the Bombay Sapphire. I, I do or? like grains of paradise in it, but it's not in ours. For well, sure. and I think too. So when we came up with the gin recipe, this took us a long time. This is probably the yeah. longest. Anything took us but to also come up with a recipe. Because with gin, what? you have to decide, like, okay, do we want it to be like this gin that really, like, stands on its own to go from another so, local, like, Bixby or something like that? Or do we want it to be like a blank canvas gin that a, a, exactly. a, a bartender so, or so this can gin work for with. us was the perfect melding of a sipping gin that is, is very botanically and very, uh, very fanciful and wonderful. But to me, a lot of those gins I can have a few sips of. I don't want a cocktail with it. I don't want to. It's just a sipping gin. And they're fantastic. I also wanted a little bit of that, but we also wanted something that you could make a gin and tonic with, something that's refreshing, something that's bright, so we went heavy on the citrus. Right. Um, and I think what we came up with oh, is a really good combination. So something that you could have a martini of that is just gin, or you could even just sip it, and it's delicious. It's got tons of flavor. It's super unique. But also, you can make a gin and tonic. You can make a Negroni. You can make any yep. cocktail with it. It doesn't overwhelm the cocktail, but it's also interesting enough as a standalone. So this is <laughs> this is your bourbon. So this That's is, bourbon. again, same kind of take as the gin. We want to do something that, look, I want to make a Manhattan, or maybe I want to sip with a, a big ice cube, right? One thing we really love about bourbon is oak characteristic. Right when we lay that bad boy down in oak barrels, in American oak barrels specifically, we're picking up all these uh, vanilla characteristics, uh, you know, uh, toffee, caramel, the things we love so much about whiskey. So it makes a great canvas for a barrel. And I think too. There's the sweetness of the corn. Yeah, for sure. And That's one big. thing America loves is sugar and sweet. 
Even though the spirit doesn't yeah. have any sugar in it anymore. No, right? it's that perceived no, I, sweetness. The perceived sweetness by Americans it, it like triggers that part of your brain that you makes you. It. It's just like a, a fruit driven wine. Mm-hmm. You can have a fruit-driven wine like a Grenache that has this beautiful bouquet, this beautiful red fruit, and I argue with people over time, like, oh, it's sweet. I said, no, it's not sweet at all. There's it's no sugar completely there. completely yeah. dry. There's zero. So yeah. did you have a bourbon you were stylistically, like, really digging on that was an inspiration for this on the high rye mash bill side? Like, are you chasing, like, that no. Blanton's no uh, Elmer T. Lee style? or No, we tried, well... I've tried a lot of bourbon, um, but no, <laughs> we kind of just went at it. The rye more so. The rye the, more the, so, the rye but yeah, we, there wasn't we really, kinda we kind of just had some ideas in mind and gave them a shot, you know? Yeah. This is kind of our third iteration, I would more say. More popular, yeah. the bourbon or the rye? Oh, they're it's not 50-50. It really is. They're, they're super neck and neck, and you know, at certain times, it's, I'm like, oh, the bourbon's taken off, and then it's like, oh, well, the rye's taken off. You never really know. You never really um, know. Huh? So we, we've done different iterations. Uh, this one is a good price point for everybody. We have made other whiskey products that are mm-hmm. super expensive because they had to be. The, we, the ingredients we used were just outrageous. The barrels, you know. And, and this is another. This one's kind of the in between product where most of it's direct to consumer, but we can distribute a little bit. But it's going to be difficult for someone with our capital and our size to make this a nationally distributed product. Sure. Well, the one thing you're supposed to do after you've tasted some really good spirits is drink some really good red wine. And that's what we're doing right here. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a transition. I right know, there. I know. But you know what? It's all good. We're going we're gonna to get to that, it. In, that wouldn't all, be my first time with that transition. We're all professional. Usually there's a cigar in Are there. Are we? I'll tell you. I don't mind if I do. Strike I tasted <laughs> some of this a little earlier. This, this, red wine, this is the first one. one. Oh, shoot. This red wine oh. is really pretty. Talk about this wine, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. So um, we're, we're about to pour two wines right here, which uh, we always kind of refer to as our uh, fire and ice combo. But uh, give Adam a little more there. Thank you so. Splish splash. But yeah, uh, this is one we're really excited about. Just recently released. And uh, let's make sure uh, Don grabs a bit, too. But there's um, a sink over there, too. Yeah, so uh, there's this little vineyard uh, you guys <laughs> have maybe heard of. I don't know. Bienna. Nacido. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, so, a yeah, tiny little vineyard? Pre- pretty popular spot, only 600 acres or so. But yeah, so when we say uh, fire and ice, this is the cool climate side of it. So Bien Nacido out in uh, Santa Maria Valley. Lots of coastal influence. Doesn't have anywhere near the diurnal temperature swings that uh, we uh, get up here in Paso Robles. So cool climate, Syrah. I mean, I always say and part of, actually, I was going to bring this up before. Part of the reason I think Syrah struggles to sell nationally is because because more than any other grape, I think Syrah tastes different based on where it's grown. So sure. I, I think subconsciously, like most of our uh, consuming populace has no idea what to expect from it. And, you know, maybe that's part of the problem, even though it's also part of the solution in my mind. That's what makes it fun. Well, the, it's part of the blessing of it for sure, isn't it? I mean, because to have like cool climate Syrah, certainly different take than say like, a, you know, a warm or like, you know, look at like Epic now. They got the they got the Block B and now they got the York Mountain. You oh, know, yeah. Well, in Block B, I think is the cool most interesting expression of clone 174 I've actually ever had before. Uh, same as both of these wines I'm going to pour for you. So this Bien Nacido and the Fiery Nights from our own estate are both uh, Estrella clone Syrah, just done differently because like uh, penal codes, Bien Nacido like originally uh, actually took cuttings from the Estrella clone or from the Estrella vineyard and uh, planted them there and they ultimately just decided uh, after like 20 years they're like, oh, this is different enough. We're going to call it its own thing. So they call oh, it Saha clone. Is that right? But yeah, it's actually Estrella. No way. But, um, you know, which is great. We all plant and work with those clones up here. But no, this 
was a super fun one for us. And, you know, uh, this is actually the first wine we've ever had that came out on like, you know, a top 100 list, one of those year end fun uh, agglomeration things. You know, uh, Turtle Rock has done super well with those. What you've been number one, two or three or something for Jeb before in the year. So, uh, you know, that's uh, rad, dude. Yeah, that's it's, so it, cool for both it, it's just great. Uh, I, I think for all of us, you know, the price of admission, as it were, the place at the table is you have to have really good wine. And beyond that, there's a lot of, you know, luck and other stuff involved. But, you know, we were just excited uh, and to, to do that, that is you got to get good fruit. And like mm-hmm. Bienacito, we're talking about likely the most like designated vineyard on earth it's Bienacito well I mean it definitely a California first growth um, you know having uh, quality grapes and then for Drew and Lily and Lauren and the team that made the wine just you know much props out to them and all the hard work and sweat they put into it Drew's got a good story about uh, being stuck on the side of the road and blowing a tire after picking up this load and, oh no <laughs> um, I can't even remember gosh who he called to get the name of this like tire place out in Orchid or something that did like like, you know, truck tires, and they came out and replaced... Because yeah, uh, Biancito is, like, way off the freeway east. You know, yeah, you get yeah. off and go, like, to the bench, you know? Exactly. Pretty Definitely wild. a little hike out there. But, uh, you know, obviously it all worked out, and this is just a fun wine for us that we're really excited to have out there. So what is Tin City? We talked earlier about, like, coffee and things like that. It needs... I don't know. Do we need a hotel, Don? I mean, shoot. Like, <laughs> it would be nice. <laughs> it would be, like, be nice. I mean, like, The wild. biggest challenge for Tin City coming up is... Uh, we have to figure out a way to have regular businesses like coffee, like breakfast sandwiches. Uh, we have to figure out a way to make it a five to seven day a week mm-hmm. visiting. We do most of our business on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday For right sure. now. Yeah, And it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But they are businesses and people do have to make a living at them. And sometimes that's hard, you know, especially for food. You know, we're so grateful to have Edo here with the pasta and now the new restaurant's fantastic. But to run a restaurant is such a difficult thing as it is. If you reduce your money-making time in half in a week, you know, it's a really – it makes it almost impossible. So, I And you guys we, are working, so it's hard for you to go to, like, yeah, even, every day. Even if we're going, it's still oh, – they, sure. they need a real no, you need a population of people, you know. And I, and I think that we're getting better at that, and I think the weeks are starting to get longer, and people are realizing that sometimes it's more fun to come here during the week than it is on a weekend. Oh, yeah. There's no lines. There's no – you get time with the winemaker. You get time with the distiller. We just uh, got a review saying that same thing. They were like – Man, we got to hang out with yeah, the guys. So I, I think, oh, yeah, so I think that was my I mom. think a, a great <laughs> message to get out of people is, you know, mom. come check us out on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, and I and I promise you'll have a better time than than coming here on a Saturday because it's just so Packed. busy on Saturdays. Yeah. And it's still fun. Don't yeah, I mean, me how wrong. many it of us is. are open uh, middle of the week now? Like, you know, again, I, think I, I, I can I say think Onyx is committed to expand. Yeah, I think we're open. By appointment or luck, baby. We're six days a week now at Turtle Rock. Yeah, okay. So we're only closed Tuesdays. So I think everybody's trying, and I think that the more people that do it, we'll get a, a, a higher critical mass, and we'll and we'll eventually get there. But I think as we talk about new businesses coming here, that's that's a challenge for them. There's someone who doesn't sell wine or spirits or something. You know, we we make a somewhat of a finite amount of a of a product. Anyways, we're selling the product throughout the course of a year. It works for us. When you run a restaurant or a bakery, that's not quite how it works. Well, for and you. this is my uh, plea to everyone out there: if you open a uh, bagel cellar in Tin City, we'll all come I, visit. I'll buy a breakfast sandwich. <laughs> Which, like three, four days a week. Like, <laughs> that's the thing, Jeff. You got to support. You, you got my business. Yep. <laughs> you make money off Jeff alone. I agree. You're taking reservations, right, at Twitter Rock? We are, yeah. So we're reservation only. I open every day except for Tuesday, but sometimes we're there on Tuesdays too. But yeah, just go online, make a reservation, TurtleRockVineyards.com. We would love to see you. And uh, 
at the moment, we still have some wine, so we should be open for another month or two before we have to close down again. And get that Maturin, get that uh, G2, all the good stuff. That was well, there's none of those available. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach me to go off memory. Yeah, yeah once are, you get, once uh, you anytime get you make a Stephen King reference, I have. Yeah, to those, are, those are uh, allocation only. <laughs> when, but, they, uh, when they had to close down before, people were coming into the distillery and they're like, hey, I'll do some shady ass shit to get some Turtle Rock. Yeah, Tell right? For do. sure. I was, like, I was like, dude, <laughs> that's a cool place to be. You're in a great place. Place right now. I mean, you're like you said, expanding. You're doing. You're doing some of your best. Yeah, stuff. I mean, we would love to be open year long and, and use the space that we built over there. And, and um, we are expanding a little bit, but it's not. It's not always easy to expand. You need the space to make the wine. They need to find the fruit. Yeah. And uh, there's just not an unlimited amount of super high quality fruit from Pastor yeah. Robles. I mean, that's what everyone picky. always forgets is, uh, you know, nothing is truly scalable on the agricultural side because you have to find, you know, equivalent quality to exactly. what got your heart the into quality, it in the yeah, first place. Without a doubt. The, the without a doubt. Sure. All right, Donnie, get out of here. All right. Keep Thanks, guys. Alive. I love you, right, brother. You're the Later, bro. Mad love. All right, Donnie Burns, Turtle Rock, Turtle Rock Vineyards. Burns, Burns, Burns. All right, very good. Burns. Jeffrey, what's the website? O-N-X-W-I-N-E-S. Yes, that's plural.com. Onyx. ONXWines.com and then uh, Patrick how do we find Tin City Distillery or- TinCityDistillery.com or WineShine.com I love that you do the brandy when you come here you will see an old school bar all kinds of character and flavors here represented great merch great personality check out Onyx Wines I know Jamie who's with you right now is stealing our merchandise it's pretty cool you offer <laughs> I love what you're doing at Onyx. Give Drew a I big bought a hello. beanie last time I was here, too. Oh, I got to get some of them coolers. Oh, no, and we, stuff. Got, we got lemonades for show. Dude, I love dude, it. It says, check out my only cans. I love how you said it. literally says that underneath. Check <laughs> out my only check cans. Check out my only cans, baby. So good. I can't thank you guys enough for hanging out with me and inviting me to Tin City. Just sharing the, the special magic you have here. I mean, what you guys are creating in Tin City is not only special in Paso, but you guys are creating a national. Like people are talking about you. All I mean, over there's the place. like literally a Netflix documentary. Yeah. Oh, Dina Mandy did a fantastic mm-hmm. documentary on the place, and she's big market. Like she's. No, I mean, a- when I was just in uh, Florida, I was working a charity event. I've got people who were auctioning a couple grand for like a trip that just included like a you know two night stay out here. They're gonna hang out in Tin City for a day. Like this is a destination. It's- you know what's crazy is, yeah, that tin, is. is that Tin City documentary, like, if it were to happen now, we're talking about a place that has evolved so much in such a short time that it's it's an exciting vibe. So I just can't thank you guys enough for having me. Hey. Tin City, cheers to Tin City. I appreciate you all. Tin City Distillery. Give me that sound. We'll get by. we pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Awesome conversation. I just love them. I could spend all day at the distillery up there. So much fun. You need to try, let's see, their orange drink for sure. Cinnamon brandy, or I call it Cinnadrink. Uh, get the wine cooler cans for sure. It's a one-off, so don't miss that. The vodka, shoot, the whiskeys are great. Get it at the store. The vodka lemonades, they're in cans. All so good. For Onyx, the Indy, if you're a fan of that rosé, but get that tracing paper rosé that they were talking about when it releases next month. The Reckoning, uh, the Praetorian, I think I'm saying that right. That is a really good one. I love that. And the Fiery Nights, both those Syrahs were fire. Also, they do these cooking classes that are super fun with Chef Rachel Ponce, who I love. She's fantastic. So check out Onyx Wines, O-N-X, onyxwines.com for more. Okay, so for our Travel Paso Spotlight, we're going to focus on two different guided tour companies, both very different, 
First, we're going to meet Christina. She's from Toast Tours. To learn about this tour company she created with her husband, Lars, who really have a heart for Paso. Christina, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Adam? I'm really good, Christina. I'm happy to talk to you. One thing I really admired talking to you off the air and on the phone, you and your husband who have Toast Tours, you guys are tour guides at heart. You are travelers at heart. And that's literally why you started Toast Tours was because of your love for travel and your love for really helping guide people in their travel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, that is, that is absolutely true. We have been so fortunate, Lars and myself. We were tour guides in Barcelona, Spain for four and a half years. And then we've, you know, we came out to California. We were tour guides up in the Bay Area and in Napa and Sonoma specifically. Lars did tours, you know, along the coast, over to Yosemite. I was very wine focused. And we love kind of sharing that knowledge and insight with people. We love sharing the places that, that we love with people. And like you said, too, we're travelers. So we know what it's like to be in a new place, to not really know much about it. I mean, yeah, you know, you do all the research before you go there and you plan to see all the highlights and all of that. But we have a philosophy whenever we get to a new place, we first day we're there, we do a tour, whether it's a bike tour or a tour in a, in a bus or a walking tour, whatever it is, we do a tour on the first day. It gives us sort of that that intro to the area. We get to meet a local. They give us the big picture of the history and what's special about that place. And then from there, we can kind of dive a little deeper with the rest of our time in the area. And so we love to do that here in Paso to really give people a great, I mean, this you know, right? Like yeah. Paso is amazing. Like the wine, the people, the scenery, just everything. And so to be able to introduce people to that and and showcase really how special it is, is such an amazing opportunity for us. Now, obviously you guys can provide transportation. You're putting, you know, a bunch of friends in a car, you're going from winery to winery, but you really desire for people to kind of have an understanding, like, look, we're more than a driving service. We want to be able to guide you and help make Paso come alive. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, right, like driving is the easy part. We can, of course, do that. And if people want to get in the vehicle with their friends and put on the music and just hang out, like, that's fine. All of our, you know, guides are also professional drivers and, and it's great. But if people want to come here and they want to get that background and get that information and learn about, you know, the pastoral terroir, learn about our history and how the wine country developed here, learn about the amazing diversity of grape varieties that are being grown and produced here. And we have so much more than Chardonnay, Pinot Noir and Cabernet Sauvignon, which we have as well. But, you know, to be able to share that with people and really get them excited about being here in Paso versus anywhere else is is really cool. So what I love is just the stuff like on the horizon for you guys. I mean, I know during At Her Table, you guys did a really cool walking tour through Tin City, which you're going to make more more abundant and do some more things like that for your clients. Also, distillery tours. I mean, we talked to like the folks at the Paso Robles Distillery Trail. There's so much <laughs> going on now, and you really are kind of oh thinking outside God. the box. It, it's way more than wine, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Way more. I mean... We also, yeah, the At Her Table Tin City Walking Tour was incredible. I was blown away by the um, the feedback and the response we got for that. We love Tin City. So many amazing producers there. Such a great community. You know, crazy that the first Michelin star in the county was in Tin City at a restaurant there. It's just, it's so exciting. Lars and I have been huge fans of Tin City ever since we started coming here. And when we were doing 
tours before, all of our tours always finished intensity because we felt like if you're coming to Paso, you need to have seen this. And then, you know, the distillery trail. Yeah, it's so exciting. There's 13 distilleries here in Paso Robles alone on the trail, making everything from grape-based vodka, brandies. We have amazing whiskeys, rye whiskeys, bourbons, gins, and Amaro, just so many exciting things coming coming off of the trail and just these amazing, passionate craft producers where you get to go in, you get to see the stills in action, the distillers are there, they're excited to talk with you about their craft spirits. You know, it's not all wine, as you said. We go out to Hearst Castle a lot. We do tours of the coast and, you know, we work with the farm trail and visit some of our local farms to do some of the experiences there. So kind of being that holistic tour operator, we like to create experiences that showcase the bounty of the Central Coast and everything that it has to offer. Yes, we have amazing wine. We also have amazing history and scenery and food and spirits and community and all of these things. So it's really, it's really fun. I love it. Christina Horton is uh, the owner with her husband of Toast Tours, T-O-A-S-T, toasttours.com. And whether you do something with them on wheels or whether you're maybe on foot with one of their walking tours that they're going to get into, just check them out. But what I love about you guys is just your heart for what you're doing and the hospitality of it is at front and center. And you could tell this is instilled and it's ingrained and threaded through your veins, just this hospitality and the desire to uh, get Paso out there. And like you said earlier was just how it comes alive. And I love how you put that. Tell me how you and your husband tour guides, how you met. (laughs) Um, Well, if Lars told this story, he would tell you that he applied for a job and I didn't hire him, Um, (laughs) which is not entirely untrue. We were both working for bike tour companies in in Barcelona. I was managing uh, fat tire bike tours in the city. And one of my one of my guys was moving to India. So we had an opening. He told Lars that he should come and apply. Uh, So Lars came in to, uh, to, to let me know he was interested in the job. I had already hired someone else and we were going into a slow season. So I didn't need, I didn't need anyone else. So I did not, I did not hire him. Uh, but <laughs> he obviously left a lasting impression. We it turned out we knew all the same people pretty much started hanging out immediately after that. I think we moved in two months later, moved in together. And uh, eventually I went to work for the same company as him. And we started actually our own company in Barcelona as well, which was very fun. How exciting. What a cool story. Okay. So I asked chat GPT to give me a tour guide joke. You ready? Okay. Why did the tour guide refuse to give a ghost tour? I don't know. Because he didn't want to be haunted by bad reviews. <laughs> Chad GPT, all they got is dad jokes, I guess. Okay, pretty funny. Well, AI still has a long way to go in the comedic department, I suppose. Pretty funny, though. Well, uh, Christina, it's so nice to chat with you. Look, I know the weather has been weird of late. So what I think we should do is we should connect with you again when we're a little bit deeper into spring, see how things are going, see if we've expanded some of these other tours. And I would love to catch up with you one more time and then also even take one of your tours. Oh my gosh, Adam, I would love that so much. Just let me know when you have a day, bring some friends. We would love to take you on a tour around Paso or whatever you, you want me to put together. That'd be so much Just fun. Let me know. I love that it. That would be amazing. So cool. Well, Christina, thank you so much for spending time with me. Really appreciate you for sharing Toast Tours and where wine takes you. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I I love this. And I'll look forward to talking with you again in a few months. Okay. Loved meeting Christina. Now from the four-wheel tours and the foot tours 
to the guided EV bike tours through the vineyards. We got Jeff from Vine Cycle Tours, who, like Christina, Jeff and his partner, his wife Melissa, started a tour company with what he and his wife know best, and that is cycling. Jeff, how are things going, man? Really well, Adam. Thank you. You know, it's uh, so cool to talk to people who, one, are so passionate about the area, but also, I mean, you, your wife, you guys started this company. You guys are cyclists at heart. So Vine Cycle Tours is really all about just sharing that, not just like, hey, we're on a bike, we're in some vineyards. That's cool. But you really want to get into the terroir and really connect people with these vines. We do, Adam. We think about our tours as uh, an adventure in terroir. And, you know, there's something about riding a bike you know, your your legs are moving, you're hanging on to the handlebars, you got the breeze in your face. You really experience the terrain much more directly than you would, you know, in a car or riding around in a vehicle. So our idea was to partner up with vineyards and be able to offer people a really unique opportunity to, to cycle into the vineyard and and uh, and to experience the terrain, um, the ups and downs and you know, see the vines up close. There's always so much to learn when we're out there. You know, it's so cool. I think about just like hearkening back to that exploration when you were a kid riding your bike and maybe you'd go further than you ever had before. Or like you just mentioned terrain, you're on terrain you've never been on before. And there's nothing like those times and being able to smell those smells, see those sights and be on these bikes. There's something almost that like you get to reconnect with and find some of that same explorative joy you had as a kid. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of joy in it. And then to that, you add an electric bicycle, which has got pedal assist to really give you a boost on those hills. And it's an instant smile on guests' face. It's really fun. Yeah. So no matter where you kind of fall in on like your fitness routine, how often you're on a bike, look, we've been saying it for years. uh, It's like riding a bike, right? Because we all remember how to ride a bike. So even if you're not like an avid cyclist and you don't have like your tight little jersey that you wear and you're riding on the side of the highways on a Saturday morning. No, this is a great way to get out there. We got the electric bikes and uh, it's it's for really anyone to appreciate. It's true. And uh, the, the pedal assist bikes really make it accessible to cyclists of different abilities. And, you know, maybe you haven't ridden a bike in a while. I mean, we've had guests who've said, it's been probably 10 years since I got on a bicycle. But, you know, we take out groups of eight to 10 people and that electric bike, the the power assist really allows people to ride along together and uh, experience it as as a group. So it really takes the sting out of the hills. And also you don't, you know, you're not working up a sweat like you would otherwise. So you arrive at the tasting room following the tour pretty fresh. Oh, do you remember when you were a kid and you ride up a big hill on a bike, you're like standing up on your bike and it's like, ooh, you're like going up and like slaloming up. I used to have a paper route up this road in Agora Hills called Penrod. And it's like the steepest, I swear to God, this thing was like 45 degree angle. And yeah, going up these hills, unbelievable. It's crazy. I would have loved to have had an electric bike then. Tell me what is the learning curve on these EV bikes if no one's ever been on one? Well, it's pretty straightforward. The bikes that we're riding have three levels of assist. They have a an eco mode, a trail mode, which is good all around, and then a, a turbo mode where, uh, you know, like when you're out delivering those newspapers. And I was a paper boy too, Adam, and <laughs> I still remember, you know, I, I had a, my single speed Schwinn with baskets on the back to carry those papers. Right. And yeah, I was zigzagging up, up those hills in Massachusetts in the small town where I grew up. But the uh, e-bikes combined some of the latest and best technology 
the uh, the power transfer is really smooth. So we use bikes with uh, mid-drive motors. They're basically they're mountain bikes, electric uh, mountain bikes, and they've got front front suspension to help smooth out the bumps. And uh, they also have hydraulic disc brakes, so they have a lot of stopping power. And one of the first things we tell people is, you know, those bikes we were riding as kids with coaster brakes, where you had to really, you know, maybe stand up and jam on the pedals back right. to get it to slow down or or grab the the old the rim brake, you know, yeah. grab the lever on the handlebar and pull. These bikes have a lot of stopping power, so we always give people ten or fifteen minutes to practice a little bit before the tour. Once we get them properly fitted and just get them comfortable using the brakes and the uh, the power assist, it's pretty easy. People pick it up quick. So take me on a tour. You have one of your partner wineries. We'll all meet up, a bunch of my friends. We get on a bike, and then we're off. You're directing us through the vineyards. We're taking it all in, and then what, we end with a tasting? Yeah. And with the vineyard we partner with, we they, they provide a wine educator. So the vineyard provides staff to ride along, and then Melissa and I uh, typically help lead and also follow the group to help people stay together and provide tips and pointers along the way. And, and we'll typically plan four to five stops in the vineyard to talk about and look at what's happening. So this time of year, when the leaves have dropped, it's a great time to talk about pruning. And people can see an example of cane pruning, or they can see an example of spur pruning, or to talk about vine and row spacing. And like they get it. It's like, oh, yeah, I never realized or I never thought of that before. Oftentimes, we'll have a chance to walk through the winery uh, or maybe a barrel cave facility Uh you know, in one of our tours, there's a chateau out there on the west side of Paso that was inspired by uh, Chateau Margaux in France. And like, what's this chateau doing in, in uh, on the west side? And and so people are able to learn about all of this along the way, and then ask questions. It's very interactive. So whatever people bring to it with questions, typically the the educators are able to respond to and provide a lot of insight. You know, we've had some really weird weather. I think we're on our 13th or so atmospheric river we have had since the end of 22. I can imagine that reservations for you have been great then off and great and off. What are some of the things that you're looking forward to as we get deeper into spring, how you are expanding the brand for your fans? Well, we it, it has been a pretty incredible winter and it's the rain obviously is is so welcome, but not great cycle touring weather. So, gee, since since the first of the year, we've just been out two weekends. We've had uh, all the rest of our tours have been canceled, but we know it's going to dry out and optimal conditions. And we, Melissa and I launched the business just about a year ago. And in that time, we, we've seen a whole cycle in the vineyard, you know, starting with, uh, I think last year, we started out just after bud break. So we were seeing leaves on the vines, you know, then all the way up to harvest and that incredible heat wave that we had. Typically, we knock off the tours for harvest because it's it's all hands on deck to get the grapes in. And then we start up again after harvest. But boy, we've experienced a little of everything over the last 12 months for sure. Well, I encourage folks to check out VineCycleTours.com, uh, see the different uh, wineries that they've partnered up with, and check in with them when you're going to be making your trip out to Paso. And I love the fact that so many folks like yourself who have a heart for this and a passion. I mean, you and your wife are cyclists, and this is how you're sharing Paso with folks. We've had on, say, uh, you know, Brian from Central Coast Trail Rides, and, you know, dude's a cowboy, and they're putting people on horses and showing people Paso Robles their own way. Just really admire 
admire the passion and like the heart that you guys that's behind what you guys are doing Jeff I can't wait to take a tour with you one of these days very soon and I say you and I should connect again you know once we get a little deeper into spring and see how things have evolved for you yeah, that'd be great. We can't wait to have you out with us, Adams. I know you'll get a lot out of it. No delivering papers along the way, so you'll just be enjoying the bike and pedaling along. Amen and to that. We have some new vineyard partnerships shaping up this spring as well that we're really excited about. So we'll be able to talk about that then as well. I know every Saturday you guys are out at Justin Winery. So check out VineCycleTours.com. Make sure you follow them on Instagram at VineCycleTours. Uh, Jeff is the owner operator of the company with his wife, Melissa. So much fun to chat with you. And we will chat again very soon, my friend. Thanks for sharing where wine takes Thanks, you. Adam. Right on. We'll see you soon. So much fun. Again, com, and of course, toasttours.com. Also, let them know you heard them on the Where Wine Takes You podcast and hit up Travel Paso for all kinds of experiences, places to stay and more before your next trip. Travelpaso.com. Dang, what a show. Thank you so much for sharing, rating, and reviewing, subscribing to the podcast. And now you have an even better reason to take that minute or two, drop that five-star review after subscribing to the pod. We have a two-night stay at the Allegretto Vineyard Resort. Eat at Cello, their incredible restaurant. Taste the Allegretto wines, which are just wonderful. To enter, go to where you listen, wherever that is, preferably Apple Podcasts, but wherever. But subscribe, drop them five stars, and leave a review on the podcast. And include your Instagram handle at the end of your review so we can get a hold of you and make sure you go follow the Allegretto on your social feeds, Facebook, Instagram, follow them along. We're going to do this contest only for a matter of weeks. So get to it and good luck. I'd love to meet you at the Allegretto. All right. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson in Paso Wine. Associate producer, Jen Bravo. Thank you to Jamie Guzman for fulfillment. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on the podcast, Good Company. The song is performed by Moonshiner Collective. They're available wherever you stream your music. You can also learn more, moonshinercollective.com. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. Well, the next time you are cruising around on the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, weekday mornings, up and at them in the morning. It's heard on the Crush 92.5. We stream, we got an app, search for Crush with a K, crush925.com. Well, until next time, here's to Tin City and to all the places and the people that inspire us to explore and appreciate the beauty of wine and spirits. Let's raise a glass to what we learned today, the memories we've made today and the adventures that lie ahead. Thanks for connecting. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. And remember, whether you're a seasoned wine connoisseur or you're just starting your journey, the world of wine and spirits is full of surprises and delights. So keep an open mind, follow your palate, and see where wine takes you. And give me that sound we pass on down till the job is Cheesy, well, simplify, good company. Give me that moonshine, get bowing, pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify, good company. Give me that moonshine, we'll get bowing, pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify, good company. Give me that moonshine, we'll get bowing, pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify. Good company.